Tell you what, if I could sing How Great Thou Art, that's how I'd sing it right there. Just how she just, I know it would look funny, but if I could sing it like that, I would. Man, that was awesome. Thank you so much. That's Jane Shattuck right there. And uh, she's one of the best lip syncers in our church. <laughs> We're happy to have you at Whitley Church this morning, July 4th uh, weekend. We're really, really happy to have you. <laughs> I heard a preacher telling another preacher about uh, uh, his attendance at his church. He said, um, he said, how many did you have Sunday? He said, well, he said, we were comfortably full. He said, what does that mean? He said, everybody had room to lay down. <laughs> so so uh, I think we might be like that today. So if y'all want to lay down, go ahead and lay down. No, you don't either. No, you don't. We're talking about prayer, and uh, we welcome all of our visitors and guests today. Uh, we just sung Sweet Home Alabama just for y'all, just for y'all. Started off the service like that. Andy's parents are here from Birmingham, Alabama, but they're really, they're really kind of from here, and uh, we just love them, so glad to see them, and, and uh, just uh, welcome all of you. I think we got some other guests and visitors here today. Before you leave, make sure you pick up your gift right back there in the back. <clears throat> eight by ten glossy of me autographed with a sharpie so make sure you pick that up no it's not true because if you thought it was that you would not get it i won't tell you what it is but when you drink coffee out of it think of me okay all right we're talking about prayer i don't know about y'all but i've really had a good time in this series uh, talking about prayer and uh um how to how to have a healthy prayer life how to have a powerful prayer life, kind of understanding the whole process of prayer and, and how prayer was, uh, was just kind of laid out for us and, 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 and seeing prayer not so much as a duty but more as a, as a uh, privilege, not something we have to do but something we get to do, a, an honor for us to be able to talk to God. And so we've been talking about how to, have a prayer life that produces fruit, how to have a prayer life that is effective and powerful. And we've said at the beginning of every one of these sermons that Christians do a lot of things to deprive themselves of God's best in their life. And then there are some things we don't do that deprive us of God's best in our life. And one of the things we don't do enough of is pray. In the first week, we talked about the power of our prayer. And we said that the power of our prayers are wrapped up in who we're praying to, an omnipotent Father. And uh, our God in heaven has all power. As a matter of fact, uh, as I was studying and putting the final touches on my sermon on Thursday, God just kind of stirred my heart to say something to you this weekend. And uh, uh, something very specific as I was praying and and I always say, you know, when I pray before I preach, I say, God, you know, I'm going to preach your word. I'm going to declare your word. But Lord, you can give that rhema word, that word that, that needs to be said for individuals in the congregation. Because, you know, I don't know all that you guys go through. I know, I know what some of you go through and um, more than I do others. But I don't know what your life is like. You don't know fully what my life is like. We don't really know each other the way God knows us. And so I ask God all the time, Lord, what would you have me say? And, and, and I, I don't say this very often, and you all know that I don't say God told me to tell you. But <clears throat> I really did sense in my prayer time that God wanted me to say something to you that really, if you don't listen carefully, you're just going to it's just going to pass you by, not because it's so complex or difficult, but really because it's so simple. Sometimes it is the simple things that we don't grab onto, things that we are familiar with, things that we have um, almost uh, uh, heard it so many times it's become a cliche. And so, so when I say this to you today, I want you to, I want you to focus in God who is all-powerful, is available to you. God Almighty, God Almighty is available to you. He's available to you. You have access 
to him. You don't have to call me to get to him. You don't have to call anybody to get to him. Now, we love our prayer partners and we love our buddies and family and friends who pray with us and for us, but listen, you have access to him. And he says in his word that he wants to help you. And every person sitting in this building this morning needs his help in very specific ways. And the reason some of us are failing and stumbling and struggling is because we will not. Because, and it's pride, guys. I'm telling you, it is pride. Because I battle it in my own life. It is pride that makes us not come to him. It's pride that makes us not come to him and have access, take advantage of the access he's given us. He wants to help you. Now, I don't know who needed to hear that today. I don't know. I know we all needed to hear it, but I don't know who that it just kind of penetrated through. I'm just saying what I feel like God's put in my heart, that there are just some people who God is on the ready that he is standing on the ready, he is standing on the edge, ready to help you. All he's waiting for from you is an invitation into your life to help you. Hear that word today. Hear that word. And everybody said, Amen. the power of prayer. The power of prayer is wrapped up in who we pray to, our all-powerful Father, who said that he would meet all of our needs according to his riches in glory. Prayer is how God blesses us. Prayer is how God gives us joy. And prayer is how God cures our worry. And we got some first-class, A, number one, worry warts sitting in here today. Amen? Sometimes it are me. It is me. <laughs> I am it. Um, <clears throat> So God wants to cure our worries. Second week, we talked about um, how we get to this omnipotent Father, how we get to him. You have to be able to get to him because he is holy God. So how do we get to him? We get to him, and we talked about the path of our prayer through a loving Savior. We pray to an omnipotent Father through a loving Savior. And so we talked about how that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the tabernacle was torn. And the veil, and you need to do your own study on this because we don't have time to get into it today, was the, was the barrier that separated men from the presence of God. But that veil was torn when Jesus died on the cross, representing the fact that now we are considered, those who have, who have received Christ as our personal Savior, we are considered a part of the royal priesthood now. And we get to come into the presence of God. We're invited to come into his throne room, how? Boldly. Because we're so holy? No, because of the righteousness of Jesus, we can come in. And that takes us into the study that we did about what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It doesn't mean in Jesus' name, amen, at the end of our prayers, even though I pray most of my prayers like that. It means when we pray in Jesus' name that we are coming as his child. You cannot pray in the name of Jesus if you have not received Jesus. We come in his authority. You cannot come in his authority if you do not know him. I don't mean know about him. I mean know him, have a relationship with him. We come in his righteousness because there's only one level of righteousness that has the right to come into the presence of God, and that's the righteousness of Jesus. So when we become his child, that righteousness of Jesus is imparted to us. So when we approach the Father, he doesn't see our righteousness. He sees the righteousness of his Son on us and says, welcome. So we talked about these things. What we want to talk about, what, and, and then last week we talked about the person of our prayers, the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Father is the power of our prayers. The Son is the path of our prayers. The Holy Spirit is the person of our prayers. Listen, you are to pray in the Holy Spirit through the Son to the Father. We pray in the Spirit through the Son to the Father. Romans 8, 26 tells us 
that the reason we need to pray in the spirit is because we have a bunch of weaknesses. We have a whole lot of weaknesses. And so the Holy Spirit comes in and fills in those weak places in us so we're able to pray with productivity and power and effectiveness. So we looked at a couple of our weaknesses last week. The first one is indifference. We learned that our human ability, our humanity has absolutely no appetite for prayer. You have no appetite for prayer. And so the Holy Spirit helps us with that by actually praying through us to the Father. Through us, through the Son, to the Father. And then we talked about another weakness we have is ignorance because sometimes we don't know how to pray or what to pray. We don't know what God's priority is. We've got our own priority list. We don't know what God's priority list. The only way we're going to know that is revelation from the Holy Spirit. So he fills in that weak place of indifference and he fills in the weak place of inability. Y'all feeling good about yourself? Ignorance indifference, and then thirdly, inability. Inability is another weakness we have. Everybody say, I am. That was pathetic. Everybody say, I am not able. Y'all feel good? Because you're not able. You say, well, that's not, that doesn't, that doesn't build me up. Yes, it does, because when you understand you're not able, that's when he's able to do through you what he wants to do. See, as long as you think you're able, You hold him at bay. But when you understand you're not able, he'll come help you. Inability in our prayer life. First of all, we talked about indifference, that there's nothing in us that desires to pray. And so when we seek the Holy Spirit to come help us, he will help us pray. He will will pray through us. We talked all about that. Then we talked about ignorance. And now today, we're going to talk about inability. I don't know about you, but I'm just going to confess up right here in front of y'all today about my inabilities in prayer. I have a hard time focusing when I pray. Anybody, come on out there. Well, you know, I, when I get down to pray, man, I, you know, I'm type A personality and I mean, I'm talking to you about something and all of a sudden there's a squirrel, you know, I'm, I'm all over here. I, I mean, y- y'all should just be at our staff meetings. You you should be at our staff meetings. There's a bunch of type A people. You know, most of the time leaders are type A, most of the time. Not always, most of the time. Most of the time they're, and we got a bunch of type A people sitting around a table every Tuesday morning, the staff. And then we got several on staff who aren't type A, and they're just looking at us like, what what are we talking about now? Where did the agenda go? Because we will start off on something, and next thing you know, and I'm the worst. I'm down some road, turned the corner, took a flight. I mean, I'm way off the subject. Well, when you're, when you're built like that, when that's your personality, that's a weakness, and you've got to have the Holy Spirit help you stay focused. I mean, I, I have a hard time focusing. I, I, I have a hard time concentrating when I pray. Um, anybody get sleepy when they pray? I mean, you go to bed, you can't sleep, you can't sleep, you can't sleep. You know what you, get up and try to pray. God, devil will go, all right, all right, all right, I'll let you sleep. Didn't know you was going to pray. All right, go on back to bed. <laughs> and I ought not to tell y'all, but do y'all ever have just silly thoughts go through your mind while you're praying? Somebody just said, no, I don't. I, okay, well, I'm weird. I, I mean, I'm praying, you know, and all of a sudden I see monkeys riding elephants. I, I don't know what's... And I'm like, God, did you see that? God's like, get back on. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. He ain't right. And you are right. <clears throat> So, so we have, uh, I don't know what your inability is, but mine, mine, is, uh, mine is just when I get down to pray, just, that's why I use list. That's why prayer lists help me. Because when I go squirrel, I can go back 
to my list and go, oh, yeah, 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 this is what I was talking about. Y'all see it in my preaching all the time, don't you? So I got two, you know those little yellow cards we give to our visitors? I got two cards back that said, loved everything, except the sermon was a little disorganized. Well, the sermon's organized, I'm disorganized. <laughs> I'm the one. And somebody's visiting right now going, yeah, that's what I'm gonna put down on my car. So let's talk about, um, let's talk about our inabilities when it comes to prayer. Now, I'm gonna go through a pretty long passage of scripture this morning, so I'm not gonna put all the scriptures up on the, on the screen. I'm just gonna put the reference up there. Matthew uh, 26, 36 through 46. And I hope you got your Bible. Maybe it's on your phone or, or uh, you know, maybe there's a Bible there in the chair in front of you. I know we got some Bibles out there. Um, this is the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and what you need to uh, remember is that this is right after the Last Supper and right before he's arrested and uh, taken uh, to jail and, and to trial and all of that. So, so let's read it. Matthew 26, verse 36 I'm reading out of the New King James Version. Then Jesus came with them, that is the disciples. He only had 11 disciples because they just had uh, the Last Supper and that's where Judas ran out of the room. So Judas is not with them and he has gone to uh, tell the Roman uh, guards and authorities where Jesus is so they can come and arrest him. Um, so then Jesus came with 11 of his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. Now I want to just pause right there and tell you that Jesus had 11 uh, followers, most intimate followers. He tells uh, eight of them to wait in one place and takes three of them a little further, okay? I think there's some significance there in that sometimes we are meant to pray corporately together. And by, by the way, we are having some prayer vigils that are, that'll be coming up here in the next few months and we're gonna release that calendar before too long so you can get that on your calendar and be a part of prayer vigils here that we're gonna pray corporately. And then Jesus took three with him. Let, let's read that. Uh, verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And who were the two sons of Zebedee? James and John. And what were James and John called? Do y'all remember? Sons of thunder, exactly right. So he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be, this is Jesus, listen to this description of Jesus. Jesus began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Um, I think Jesus, uh, when he got Peter, James, and John apart from the other eight disciples, he let show what was going on inside him. He let it show. And uh, because he, I, I think he wanted them to see, I think he wanted them, them to become as intense about the situation as he was. And so he said to Peter, James, and John, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And then he tells those three, stay here and watch with me. And then in verse 39, he went a little farther. So there are three places where prayer is supposed to be happening. There is that corporate body of eight. Then there is that prayer group, that intimate prayer group, and, and I, I got to tell you something, if you have a friend or family member who is like a prayer partner you, to you that you can trust, then I got to tell you something, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but that is a, that's a rare thing and that's a treasure to be, to be uh, cherished uh, because there aren't many people who you can share your deepest struggles with 
and know that they love you so much that it will be held right there and the only person they will talk to about it is Jesus. Y'all with me? So I'm telling you, if you can find somebody like that, it is, it is worth far more than gold and diamonds and rubies. The Bible talks about a friend. Um, a, a friend who will... Uh, um, as a matter of fact, the, the friendship between David and Jonathan in the Old Testament was described as they had loving kindness for one another. You ought to study that word loving kindness. If you have a loving kindness relationship with somebody, you need to be so thankful for that. So thankful. Because it is rare. It is rare. And so Jesus had these three. Uh, th See, he didn't say to the eight, I'm sorrowful and distressed but he could say it to those three. He could say it to them. And then Jesus told them, you wait here and I'm going to get by myself because there are times when you need to get all by yourself. Thank God for prayer vigils. Thank God for prayer groups. Thank God for prayer teams. Thank God for prayer partners. Thank God for, but there are times when he just wants you all by himself. Now, some of y'all sitting out there, I love you, but you don't even know what in the world I'm talking about because you don't do this. You don't get by yourself. You need to. You need to get by yourself. So, um, verse 39, he's by himself now. So here's Jesus, here's Peter, James, and John, here's the eight. The Bible says in verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face. Now, I don't think posture is important to God, but sometimes posture is important to me. Because I'll tell you something, man. There is a difference in your whole mental process in this posture and on your face. There are times you just got to eat some carpet. Amen? You say, well, that's pretty crude. Well, I'm just saying. That's how the teenagers say it. I, I see the teenagers. I'm on Facebook because I am a cool pastor. And I see the teenagers put that they got to go eat some carpet. <laughs> Y'all say, well, that's just gross. Well, what they're saying is I need to go get on my face before God. That's just how they say it. They get on their face before God. Isn't it a good thing to hear your teenagers talk about getting on their face before God? So Jesus got on his face, and, and what it does when I just get down on my face or, or I get in, in some position of humility and submission um, is it just does something to my resistance, it lowers my resistance. And what causes me to resist? Pride. So it lowers my pride level. And then Jesus says, oh, my father. So Jesus starts to pray. If it is possible for me to get Pharaoh Hardison into heaven without dying on the cross, if it is possible for me to get Eddie and Sylvia connected back to you without the cross, without the humiliation, without the beatings, without the, 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 the mockery and the laughter and the brutal things that are about to be done to me, if there's any way I can get Farrell and Eddie and Sylvia and Whitley and all the people of the world, if, I could, if there's another way I can get them back to you without having to go through all of that, Lord, I would really rather not drink this bitter cup. However, not my will, Father, but your will be done. I tell you, that is significant prayer right there because it lets us know Jesus was not only 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He was 100% human. So then he came to the disciples and found them um, unable. What are we talking about? What's the weakness we're talking about? Inability. They're unable to stay awake. So he goes back to them and he finds them asleep in verse 40. And he says to them, he says to Peter. So out of those three, who did Jesus see as the leader? Peter. 
I got to tell you something. That makes me feel good because Peter was messing up all the time. He put his foot in his mouth more than he put it on the ground. Peter Hardison was his name. But Jesus, isn't isn't that really something right there? Jesus loved Peter and just saw leadership in him and said, what, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Then in verse 41, Jesus says, watch and pray. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. I want you to notice there a very important principle that you need to apply to your life today, and that is that if you don't pray, you set yourself up to be vulnerable to temptation and give in to it. How many of us are tempted? All of us. All of us are tempted. And listen, as you grow in the Lord, you don't get less temptations, you just get different temptations. Because as you mature, there's stuff you don't even love anymore because you have grown in your compassion and love for Jesus. You don't even love stuff you used to love anymore, so you can't even be tempted about that anymore, but there's new stuff. And he says, I'm telling you guys, if you don't watch and pray, you're going to give in to your temptations. Boy, did Jesus know what he was talking about because in just a few pages over in your Bible, Peter is standing there saying, Jesus, if they take you to jail, I'll be there. Even I know they'd never do this, Lord, but even if they were going to kill you, you could count on me. And could could Jesus count on him? No, because he's Peter Artisan. He says, watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. He's saying to Whitley Church, Farrell, Farrell Hardison, watch and pray or you're going to fall into temptation. Whitley Church, 9 o'clock, Sunday morning service, July 4th weekend. If you don't watch and pray, you're going to fall into temptation. If you don't watch and pray, you're going to fall into temptation. And then he says something profound. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Now, y'all remember last week I told you, a couple weeks ago, I told you that when you read in the Bible and it's a capital S, it is the Holy Spirit. And when it is a little s, it is some other spirit other than the Holy Spirit. It could be the human spirit. It could be an evil spirit. But it is some other spirit other than um, the Holy Spirit. Well, as surely as I tell you that, there's going to be an exception. So in verse 41, y'all, are y'all getting this today? In verse 41, he says, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think we got that verse good, guys. Thank you. Notice that the word spirit there is a little s. And when I saw that, I thought, well, evidently, this is speaking of the human spirit, that the human spirit is willing. And then I said, but you know, last week in my studies, I discovered that there's nothing in us that desires him. So... What does that mean? So what I do is I look at the best theologians, dead and alive, and what they had to say about this verse. And it was amazing that none of them said definitely whether that was the Holy Spirit or the human spirit because the Greek word there, the original Greek word there, could be either the Holy Spirit or the human spirit or some other spirit, but every one of them agreed that more than likely, way more than likely, it was the Holy Spirit and that we should not be confused that that is a small s right there that just in the translation, it was left a small s. So we're gonna read it that way. Amen, y'all with me? Now, if you disagree with that, come up after the service and I'll forgive you, all right? Okay. (laughs) The Holy Spirit indeed is willing, but the human flesh is weak. Y'all with me out there? Verse 42. Again, a second time he went, Jesus uh, went away and prayed and 
And uh, this was the second time after he woke them up, you know, and said, wake up, wake up, pray. You're going to fall into temptation. The Holy Spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. So wake up. So they woke up, and they started praying again. And Jesus went away again, and he, and he prayed, oh, Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So he prayed the same thing again. He's seeking the Father. He's pressing in. He's crying out to the Father as an example of how we are to be in dark situations. Verse 43, he, he came back to them and found them asleep again because one of the weaknesses we have is not only that we're indifferent and not only that we're ignorant, but we're also unable. So he comes back and they're asleep again for their eyes were heavy. Verse 43, they were asleep for their, look, they were, they were exhausted. They were worn out. They had been doing ministry, 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 and they, they, they not only had been doing ministry and were worn out by that, but there was a darkness. There was an oppressive spirit because Jesus was about to be hung on the cross. So there was this dark, how many of you know warfare with the devil will wear you out? So they were worn out. They were physically worn out. Their eyes were heavy. Verse 44, so he left them. Went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Verse 45, then he came to his disciples and said this to them. Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Who was he talking, to, talking about right there? Judas. Verse 46, rise. Hear this, hear this today, church. Rise, rise up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand and Judas was there. He said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I think the disciples wanted to pray. I don't think it's so much that we want to pray. I think it's that we want to want to pray. Did you get that? It isn't that we want to pray, because we don't. <laughs> we don't want to pray. We want to want to. So our prayer is, God, put the want to in me. Did you know he'll change the desires of your heart? What used to satisfy you and make you happy and what used to be, what you needed, if you seek him, that will change. He'll change your want to. You'll change the things you desire. Isn't that beautiful? The disciples wanted to pray. They needed to pray, but they were unable. They were lazy. Their mind was wandering. They, you know, we get that, guys. Mental cobwebs, you know, monkeys riding on elephants. And we get sleepy and we think foolish thoughts and we run these squirrels down the road. Because we are unable, we have inabilities that the Holy Spirit wants to look at those weaknesses in us and make them stronger. Now let's go to Romans 8.11 because it's about to get good as I close. Look at Romans 8.11. Now we sung this in the second song today. In the second praise song today, I know some of you were asleep, but in the second praise song today, <laughs> we sung this. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. Are y'all dead or alive out there? Because that sentence ought to make everybody in here shout. So this time I'm gonna say, let's act like I didn't say it yet. I'm gonna say it now. Are y'all ready? All right. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's what I'm talking about. Let's edit that, whoever made the CD, and just edit that part where they didn't shout and just put the shouting part in. All right. Do y'all get that? Do you see what the Bible is saying? The power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you're a Christian? Amazing. 
The Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead, Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as, here comes the promise. Here comes the promise. Now, the other thing is just information. He's in you. Here's the promise. And just as he raised Christ from the dead, he will give life to your mortal body. Not your spiritual body, your flesh and blood body. Your old, tired, wore out, sagging. <laughs> body. By this same what? Where is it? Mm-hmm. If y'all don't get that, I'm going to just stay right there. Let's do it again. The Holy Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the grave, from the dead, lives in you. Amen. And here's the promise. To who? And just as he raised Christ from the dead, here it is, here it is, here. He will give life to your sagging, wrinkled up, dried up. I don't know about y'all, but I need this. He will give life to your mortal body by this same Holy Spirit living in you. Man, y'all better be glad you hollered like that because I was going to stay right there till you got it. I was going to stay right there till y'all got happy about it. Guys, you ought to go home and memorize that verse right there. You ought to go home and memorize it. The Holy Spirit, look, 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 look. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit came into you when you got saved. Now, as you develop and grow, there are levels of, of, of the Holy Spirit's involvement in your life and control over your life. Language in the Bible, baptism in the Holy Spirit, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if the Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit, there must be some times when you got the Holy Spirit in you, but you ain't what? Exactly. As a matter of fact, baptism doesn't mean full. It means to the overflowing. When we baptize you, we don't just get you wet. We put you down in there. Hold you under till you say tithe. <laughs> and you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to, and I know some of y'all are sitting here like, hey, just talking about that baptism in the Holy Spirit, getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I wasn't brought up like that. Well, I've changed about a lot of stuff how I was brought up. Because sometimes we get stuff put in us by some very wonderful people with great intentions. They just ain't no Bible for it. Amen. It just got put in them and they put it in us and taught it like it was the Bible. And then when we really got to study in the Bible for ourselves, which is what you ought to do, we found out there's some promises in the word of God like that right there. You say, well, I just don't want to act weird. You already do. You already do. Just, we've been talking about you a long time. How weird you are. You worried about getting weird. You've been weird. The Holy Spirit anticipates what, the, what, what God is going to call you to do. Isn't that something? This is good stuff right here. The Holy Spirit anticipates what God, the Holy Spirit anticipates what God the Father is going to call you to do. And then he goes, don't worry about it. I'm with you. I'm in you. We're going to do it. I know he laid it out there and I know you don't know how you're going to do it. But if you'll depend on me, we're going to do this thing. He's there with you. I was 17 years old. He went, go preach. I went, you got to be kidding. You know, I just... All I knew was Moses had a coat of many colors. That's all I knew about the Bible. <laughs> See, bad thing is somebody's out there right now going, amen, amen. <laughs> mm. 
So the Holy Spirit anticipates what God's going to call you to do, and then he comes with us on the trip, and he gives us the power to overcome our inabilities. He tells me to preach. He tells you to witness. He tells you to serve. He tells us pray, and then he says, I'm going to help you pray. Now, getting back to the Garden of Gethsemane, why was Jesus able to pray in the garden, but Peter, James, and John slept? And I know what some of you want to say. You want to say, because he's Jesus. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus wasn't depending on anything he had available to him that we don't all have available to us. You say, well, maybe Jesus wasn't as tired. Maybe he didn't. Are you kidding me? He was leading this bunch. He had less rest than they had had. He had less sleep than they had, than they had enjoyed. You say, well, maybe he wasn't really a man like they were, and he didn't get sleepy like they did. That's not it. He got sleepy and tired just like anybody else. As a matter of fact, just to prove that point, I remembered a story over in the book of Mark, and I'm not going to read it to you, but jot it down in your notes if you're taking notes. In Mark 4, verses 35 through 38, we find Jesus so worn out, so tired, so exhausted, because he got tired just like everybody else did, we find him going in, getting on a boat. Now, when he got on the boat, the, the water was like a mirror. Wind flapping in the... Sails flapping in the breeze. So Jesus had got back there on the fantail of that boat and went to sleep. Now, I'm telling you, he went to sleep. Y'all love sleep like that. Because a violent storm came. Now, the Bible describes it that way. A violent storm came, and he was sleeping. And the disciples were like, <laughs> So they went back there, and because they're men of such great faith and men who trust Jesus and trust Jesus' love, they went back there and went, Hey, wake up! Don't you care whether we live or die? I love them disciples, man. Jesus does all these miracles, you know, and one little thing goes wrong. You want us to die? Lord, let me slap you. <laughs> My point in saying that is you, you say, well, Jesus was able to sleep like that because it was like a supernatural sleep. No, it wasn't. He was wore out. He was tired. He stumbled under the cross. He stumbled under the cross when he was going to Calvary. He fell down and a man had to come out of the crowd and take it because he, his body had given all it could give. I'm glad he stumbled. I'm glad he stumbled because it says he knows what I know. He feels what I feel. He's been through what I've been through. That's why he stumbled. So then why was Jesus able to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples weren't able to pray? The disciples were no more tired than Jesus was. Here's how, here's how. Jesus prayed because the Holy Spirit gave his mortal body. Now mortal, put that verb, you got it up there, you're awesome. Look at it, mortal means the, this one. This body, fingernails and uh, toes and everything. He will give this mortal body strength. That means he will give your physical body, your muscles, your bones, your old joints. If you will lean on the Holy Spirit, he will give you strength in your mortal body to do his will and accomplish his calling in your life. Does anybody hear me out there? Now, he will let your hair go and not give that back to you. I have noticed that. <clears throat> and I, I told him, I said, you said you would give strength to our mortal body. He said, but you don't need hair. I said, whatever. But he will give you strength in your body. Are y'all hearing me out there? He'll give you strength in your body. That, that's good stuff right there. Some of, you, some of you guys need that. You need to get off of Geritol and get on some Holy Ghost. Okay. Amen. Amen? Let me close with this. Should already closed. 
The fourth one is interference. We've talked about indifference, ignorance, inability, interference. Now, do y'all do know we have an enemy? Y'all? Okay. I, I mean, uh, we don't talk about him much. We don't preach about him much, you know, because we're a modern church, so we don't like to say devil. Devil. I mean, really, a devil? Satan? Really? Exorcist? Are you serious? A devil. You say, well, I'm, I gave my heart to Jesus. I ain't running to the devil. Well, that's because you and him going in the same direction. See, if you turn around and go against him, you will, you'll have head-on collision with him. <laughs> he is real, and the Bible warns us about him. 1 Peter 5, 8, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls about. King James roams around like a roaring lion. I love that language right there. It doesn't say he is one. It says he mimics one. Most Christians are so far from God. When he roars like that, we're just like those disciples. We're all scared. He's not a roaring. There's only one lion. There's only one lion. And that's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan can't, he, he mocks everything. He's going, okay, that lion thing's working for Jesus. Let me roar. Because most Christians I know are so shallow. If I roar, they won't be able to tell me from Jesus. And he's right. Mostly in the second service, though. I heard amen then. Prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may interfere with. We're talking about interfering. He's going to interfere with you. Now, if he's not interfering, if you're not running into him, if you're not warring, then that is not a good sign. That's a bad sign. Because if you're going toward God, it's a battle. Now, I'd love to tell you that once you get saved, it's like that old song back when I was about 12 years old, I, you know, a rose garden. What, what did that old country say? I never promised you a rose garden. That's kind of Jesus' theme song to us. He never promised us a rose garden. I know the young people are here going, what song is that? I, he never promised us that. It's a war. He used words like this to describe our walk with God on this earth, that we will labor. We will strive. Why? Because the current's going to hell. The current of this world is going to hell. So if you don't want to go to hell, and I know we don't hear preaching about that much either, so I'll just say it a lot this morning, going to hell. If you don't want to go to hell, then you got to go against the current. And when you go against the current, it's tough. I saw this morning on the internet tips on how to battle the riptides for all the people at 4th of July that are swimming at the beach. That's what I'm talking about. The riptide will pull you under. The riptide doesn't pull you to safety. The riptide pulls you away from safety. Ephesians 6. See, you never drift to heaven. You never drift into, if you're drifting in your spiritual life, if you're not praying, you're not reading your Bible, you're, you're just kind of, one day at a time, not really doing anything, and, and, and uh, stuff's going okay in your life, so you're not really seeking God, you're not really pressing into God, then you're drifting, and you never drift in the good direction. You always drift in the bad direction. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and the power of whose might? His, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. And he says in verse 12, to quit fighting with your brothers and sisters because they're not your enemy. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our battle is with principalities. And if you want to do a word study, do a word study on that. Against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
Take up the whole armor of God that you may be what? Able. See? When you take up God, you're able. When you ignore God, you're unable. That you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. And then we jump down to verse 18 and it tells us how we get that in our life. Praying always with all prayer and supplication. The word supplication Somebody came up and said, Pastor, just delve into that word just a little bit. Well, I don't really need to say much about it. What's the root word of supplication? Supply. So when you're praying, when you're offering up supplication, you're just saying, God, there's just stuff I need, I don't have, and you're my only source of supply. And, you, and it's a prayer of asking God to supply. So supplication, how? In the Spirit. In the spirit. Father, I could preach on, obviously. Help us to understand that we pray to an omnipotent Father. We pray through a loving Savior. And we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit so he can help us with our weaknesses. Weaknesses like indifference, Ignorance, inability, interference. These are weaknesses. Distractions. We will be distracted. We will not be sober or vigilant, but we will be distracted if we don't depend on the Holy Spirit. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Um. I want to pray for the sick this morning. So if you're battling physically, we'll pray for you for anything, but I just want to say to you who are battling physically, um, I want to pray for the sick today. So I would like for my prayer team, even if you're not assigned, if you are a part of the prayer team, come on up here. Uh, any staff who's available to come and help us pray, you guys can come on. Um, we're going to pray for the sick today. Um, if you're here and God has used you to minister to the sick before, uh, we trust you today. We're going to trust you, and we just want you to come up here and, and uh, help us pray. Okay, let's all stand together. And uh, if you're a guest of our church today, we have a gift for you before you leave, so make sure you pick that up. Now, you can still come from prayer and get all the stuff you need to get before you leave. If you did not get your Connect card finished in time, we need to get that Connect card from you so you can leave it back here or you can leave it out here at the Connect Center. If you didn't get your offering ready in time, you can leave it at either place. But we love you guys so much and we're just so glad you're here and we just want to minister to those who are battling physically today. or Maybe you've just got some reports from that you're not sure what's going on physically. Maybe you want to stand in for somebody you love who can't be here because of their sickness you can come and say you want to stand in their place and we'll pray over you for them, okay? Now, here's what we need. A lot of times when we do this, people kind of stay up close to the front and there's a lot of talking and laughing and we want you to talk and laugh and have a great time, but let's kind of take it back there or outside and just make this a sacred area today, okay? God bless you guys. I love you. Thank you so much. Please come and let us pray for you before you go home.